And this is the art of less doing. I'm going to teach you how to optimize, automate, and outsource everything in your life, including your health, in order to be more effective. I want you to stress less, free up as much time as possible, and do the things you want to do. Hey, everybody, it's the Less Doing Podcast, episode 163, with my dear, dear meditation teacher, Mary Meckley. Uh, Mary runs or created the Daily Meditation Podcast over at Sip and Ohm, and she's been a really, really important person in my life for the past several months. Uh, she was at the live event. Many of you got to meet her if you were there, uh, and she's just uh, an incredible, incredible human being. And she puts out this great podcast every single day of the year. In fact, she just celebrated her one-year anniversary of the podcast about a week ago. So I'm so happy to have been able to have Mary on the podcast. And she actually created a seven-day productivity meditation series based on less doing that was on her podcast about a, two months ago or so. And we have links to that in the show notes as well. So uh, before that, uh, I'm sitting here in the lounge at Vancouver Airport. Today was an absolute whirlwind. I got to Vancouver at about one o'clock this morning and checked into my hotel about quarter, uh, 1.45, slept for, I don't know, three something hours and then checked out of the hotel at 5.50. I spoke to Entrepreneurs Organization Vancouver, which was amazing, such an awesome group of people. And then I got on a seaplane and flew out to Victoria, which is where Dave Asprey actually lives, the Bulletproof Executive. And I spoke to EO Victoria, which was also incredible, really great group of people. And then I got back on the seaplane, came back. My uh, head coach and uh, one of my other coaches for less doing here, they took me go-karting and we did a little drifting. And now I'm here at the airport ready to fly back home. So I've been, I'll have been in Vancouver for a total of 23 hours. World one trip. So I'm going to share with you the links real quick, and then I'm going to get on my flight. <laughs> so uh, the first one is uh, called Sound Hound, or Houndify, I guess. And this is got to be one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. You'll have to go to the link in the show notes and check out the, uh, the video, because it is absolutely astounding. Basically, this is like Siri on crack. In the demo, the person says, like, what is the difference in population between Japan and China? And it tells, it gets the answer. And then how many days are there between two days ago and like October 23rd? And it tells them, I mean, like that kind of stuff. Um, they, one of the examples they give is that you could say something like, where is the Golden Gate Bridge? And it'll tell you. And then you can say, okay, well, show me pet friendly hotels near there with three or more stars under $200, excluding bed and breakfast. So you can get very specific and speak very naturally, and it gets it. So this is a really, really big move forward, and I can't wait to actually demo it. The next one is called uh, Analyze Corp. And uh, this is very straightforward, but it, it's kind of, kind of like about time this sort of service is, is available. It's uh, an outsourcing service for data science. So if you have a large data set, or uh, you're trying to figure out the right data set, for instance, you can actually go to Analyze Core and hire a data scientist just for this purpose. You know, of course, you, you might have been able to do this stuff on Elance before, but it's always nice, I think, when you see these 
services and these websites that specialize in one area because they tend to do it really well and usually more cost effectively. The next thing is there was a really cool article on Medical Daily that this group of researchers have developed a test for IBS or irritable bowel syndrome. Now, as you all know, probably, you know, I was a sufferer of Crohn's and the problem with Crohn's or, or irritable bowel disease and irritable bowel syndrome is that they're, they're, actually the article puts it really well, it says that they're considered a diagnosis of exclusion, which basically means when they can't figure out what's going on with you or anything else, then they sort of slap that diagnosis on you, and then they basically just throw a bunch of medicines at you. So there's never been really like a definitive test for IBS or for Crohn's for that matter. Crohn's is basically inferred from various other tests, including uh, colonoscopies and stuff like that. But this is the first time they've actually identified a particular antibody that is produced by a particular bacteria, and it basically um, is a identifier for, for IBS. So now they can definitively give people who are suffering from this syndrome actual proof that they have it, and then hopefully that'll help with identifying treatments more effectively. So I think that's really a great move forward because a lot of times these things just go undiagnosed for a, a long time, and they can get much, much worse than they ever needed to if they, uh, if they weren't caught earlier. So uh, the next thing is a service called DiffBot. And this is to, uh, basically, it'll pull data automatically from web pages. So this is not by any means a new service or a new kind of service. Scrapers have existed for quite some time. But this one is, uh, is pretty elegant. It's got an API. And, you know, for example, you can have uh, it go to uh, images on a web page and it can pull back all the image information. So if there's like a catalog of images and you need to pull that information regularly. Um, videos, it'll actually extract like detailed video information, thumbnails, URL, embed code from all the different video panels there are. Uh, products, you know, if you need to like pull in competitor information or a whole bunch of product information from Amazon or from uh, some industry specific site, then you could actually use this kind of service to do that. So if you ever, if you have like uh, information sources or websites where you're pulling in where you need to get a lot of information and it's updated regularly or you want to automate that to some extent, you can use something like DiffBot to scrape that information really effectively. It's, it's pretty cool. The last two things are these two articles I just want to share. One is written by my friend Andrew Wilkinson who is the founder of MetaLab and you've probably never heard of MetaLab but I, yeah, I'm sure that you've used one of their products. They're kind of behind the scenes. They created the actual interface for Slack and the article is really, it's written by Andrew about Slack, it's called Slack's $2.8 billion secret sauce and I really think it's really a, a great read this article. It's a seven minute read and it's on Medium and it was, when it, when it came out it was like one of the top articles on Medium. It was shared everywhere. But it, more importantly, I just wanted to use this as like a reminder, or not a reminder, but just to, to point out that I think Slack is really an incredible thing. Um, if you're not familiar with Slack, it's essentially like a, a, a company chat interface, but it's almost more like a blog because you can share information, like you can share Google Docs and you can share images and web page screenshots and you can discuss it. You can also have channels. So a channel might be a project. It also might be a particular team. 
And so everybody in that channel, and, and people can be in multiple channels, but if you're dealing with you know this particular project, only people on that channel see it. You can call people out just like you do in Twitter. So you can say like at so and so, you know, what's the status of this project? But probably the best thing is that it integrates really seamlessly with IFTTT and Zapier. So you can do so many things automatically. Like if you want to assign a project, you're talking about it in Slack, and then you do a hashtag or you you star a netmesser or something, and it becomes a task in Asana or Trello or whatever you might be using for project management. What I have found with several organizations that I've recommended Slack to is that they have completely eliminated all internal email communication, which is a pretty bold thing, honestly. Um, it's all searchable. It's, a, it's, it's just a very natural way to have a discussion. And it's, I think, changing the way that a lot of businesses communicate, especially as we see more and more remote companies that have you know, people all over the world. It's a fantastic platform. So then the last article I want to share is from Entrepreneur Magazine, and it's called How Successful People Work Less and Get More Done. One of the things that they found, which I thought was really cool, was that productivity per hour declines sharply when the work week exceeds 50 hours, which is already a lot, honestly. But basically what they said is after 55 hours, there's pretty much no point in working anymore. So people who work 70 or 80 hours a week are actually getting the same amount of work done as people who work 55 degrees, according to this. But uh, one of the things that they say is that uh, they exercise. So it says no time to exercise during the week, then you have 48 hours every weekend to make it happen. And basically getting your body moving for as little as 10 minutes is really good. Now, what I like about this is that I try to point this out when I give talks that a lot of people don't work out because they feel like if they can't work out for an hour, then there's no point of working out at all. And that's just not true. Uh, a little bit can go a long way and something is absolutely better than nothing. Uh, it says that they wake up at the same time, which is good. It helps people get into routine. They designate mornings as me time, and they prepare for the upcoming week. This says the weekend is a great time to spend a few moments planning your upcoming week. As little as 30 minutes of planning can yield significant gains in productivity and reduce stress. So it's just a, it's a cool article, and uh, there, there are 10 total things that these people do, and I think it's a really good read. So that's it. I'm going to keep this short because i got to get on my plane. But thank you so much for listening, and see you on the next episode, which is actually going to be with Josh Davis of Two Awesome Hours. Enjoy the interview with Mary Meckley. And now for Feature Interview. So now I'm speaking with Mary Meckley, who is the voice and the mind behind SipAndOm.com and the Daily Meditation Podcast, and basically my meditation teacher as far as I'm concerned. So uh, Mary, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. You're welcome, Ari. It's a pleasure. I'm very excited. So now, before we get into your story, uh, uh, some of you should be familiar with Mary already, because if you were at the live event just a couple of weeks ago, Mary was kind enough to provide us with meditations to prepare us for the event each day to be more productive. And it was just, I got such great feedback about that. So let me publicly thank you very much for doing that. You're welcome. Um, it was so much fun. It was a great event. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. Um, so let's, why don't we just get started with a little bit of your background and, and how you got into meditation, which which I understand you've been doing for over two decades. Yes. So, yeah, I really should say that I have been meditating for about 15 years, seriously meditating. But I started my journey when I lived in Japan. And when I lived there, I worked for a corporation. And 
I was the only female and the only foreigner in a building full of hundreds of other people. And I help people with their presentations. And my background is in international relations. So it was a great job. But I noticed that the people who worked there were very corporate. They traveled around the world. They had timelines and deadlines and all the modern day stresses, but they seemed to manage it so much better. And I noticed that they often took tea breaks. And I also noticed that they would meditate. And this was something just very ingrained and integrated within their corporate culture there. And so I started to explore many different ancient traditions. I studied the Japanese tea ceremony and ikebana, which is Japanese tea, or rather Japanese flower arranging. And I also studied feng shui. And what I discovered is that all of these different arts just used a medium to connect you to your highest self. And so I lived in Japan for five years. And then when I came back to the United States, I thought that I would be set for life for anything stress-related because of all the different arts that I had studied and immersed myself in. Well, what I found out is that I didn't handle it very well. I had reversed culture shock where I just saw where I was living at that time was in Seattle, Washington. And I had a hard time settling back into my life. And I had children at this time. And so I really had to slow down and readjust the pace that I had previously been living at. So I started to meditate. I started to take lots of courses in meditation and I became a certified meditation teacher. And I realized that what I was doing before the different arts and the different techniques I was learning, that wasn't truly meditation. That it's really only when you allow your mind to experience this stillness without doing anything at all that you experience and connect to your inner nature, your true inner nature. And that is such a beautiful thing about meditation. So all the other things that you can do, whether you spend time in nature, whether you do these different techniques that are effective, it's not really like meditation. Meditation scientists now and research now are showing that it actually creates new neural pathways in our brain. And you notice this when you meditate consistently for even 15 minutes at a time over six months, your brain has already created new neural pathways. So that is my journey that spanned over 20 years. And I continue to meditate and share it now in my podcast. Yeah, well, and and I'm so glad that you do. And I want to get into the podcast shortly. But also, is is there a particular kind of meditation that you have found to be? I mean, I, I kind of know the answer, but I, I'm curious why you settled on the type of meditation actually that you do. Well, that is such an excellent question that I'm so happy that you asked me. And the reason why is because one of the things I love about meditation, and one of the things other people discover that it's a beautiful thing about meditation is that there is no dogma. So I meet people a lot and they say, oh, what kind of meditation do you do? Almost as if it's a religion where, you know, oh, what religion are you? Or I'll tell them, you know, I do this type of meditation and they'll say, oh, well, I do this. So it's almost as if they are saying, well, we can't really converse or relate because we do different 
kinds of meditation. But meditation truly is whatever you use, whatever techniques that you use to get you there, meditation in its essence is all about just finding peace and stillness within yourself. So the kind of meditation that I do share on my podcast is a combination of different techniques that I personally find very helpful and that people that I've shared these techniques with clients and courses that I teach find very helpful. And so I created some kind of format where you can have something that you look forward to each day. Because many people think, well, I don't know what to do when I sit down and meditate. Do I just, you know, zone out or what am I supposed to be thinking? Because it can be difficult if you're not used to meditating. It can be intimidating even. You can feel like this is some high art way above you. And the truth is that meditation is just slowing down and connecting to yourself. But when you use techniques, they can help you get there faster and better. But I always emphasize that the techniques that you use are just to get you to the place of stillness. And then true meditation is when you're not thinking or doing anything at all. So the techniques that I use, as you know, I'm very honored to have you as a listener on the podcast. I, I'm, I'm a disciple, Mary, I'm not just a listener. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, it's I love it. It's something that I've done almost every day for a year. It's a quest that I'm on where I share a different meditation technique every single day and we go through a theme. I think it's so important to focus on a theme for a week, not just, oh yeah, today I'm going to do this and then jump around and tomorrow we're doing this. I think that people kind of just miss exploring certain things very deeply. So I focus on a theme a week. In fact, this week it happens to be overcoming fear. And I often dedicate different themes to, I dedicated a whole week to you and your book, which has transformed my life. And also I dedicate many themes from messages I receive from listeners if they're struggling with something. And I notice I'm receiving a lot of emails about a certain topic, I'll do an entire meditation series on that theme. So we're always starting off every Sunday, we launch into a brand new theme. And so Sunday, it's all about visualization. Usually it's set, it's setting that intention. This is what we're going to do this week and kind of doing a visualization. And then Monday is always an affirmation. And Tuesday is a breathing technique. Today's a Tuesday. We did a breathing technique. Wednesday's always a mudra. Thursday is a chakra. Friday, I incorporate herbal tea because herbs can help you in a similar way as meditation can when it comes to more peace, energy, clarity, sleeping better, and improving your health. And then every Saturday, I end with a walking meditation because I really like to encourage people to get outside and to connect, or even if you can't get outside, to at least sit in your meditation space with a window open. Because I think so many people are very disconnected from what's going on in their environment. And in fact, we often try to, if it's hot outside, just make our homes really cool. Or if it's cold outside, we turn the heat on and just blast the heat. And I think that one thing I really remember about living in Japan is that the people really 
adapt themselves to the seasons and what's happening in nature. So if it was cold, when I studied tea and this temple where it was several hundred years old, there was no heat or there was no air conditioning and there wasn't even a bathroom there. So we had to go out and, and go to some other place if we had you know to use the bathroom. And so we just learned to adapt and not to expect that we have to have all these comforts all the time. I think it's really good to expose yourself to different experiences, different discomforts even, so that you know that you become stronger inside and you know that you can weather things in your life, such as stress, relationships, different things that come up in your life when you face the elements each day, no matter what's going on with the weather, you face it each day and experience it a little bit. Yeah. Well, to me, meditation has always been sort of a struggle. And where it started to work for me was when I was using the Budify app. And, and the reason that was working was because I was able to sort of do it while I was doing other things, basically. And that was a, a good way for me to sort of ease into it. And then when I found your podcast, really quickly, actually, it became a habit. It's just something I do now. It's I haven't missed uh, one of your podcasts since I started, which was, I think, maybe three months ago. And it's to the point, for me at least, where I don't have to listen to an entire episode, though I usually do, but sometimes I just can't fit it in. And just like hearing your voice now gets me into that mode very quickly where I'm, I'm in sort of a reflective state. And it's been so important just to just to take that minute or that that moment basically and recognize what's going on inside you around you and and this but what's really cool about it to me too is that you have put the structure to it as you just explained the, the different days of the week and it's like every week is like a journey thank you well i am experimenting with the you know i thought that as i did this so i'm coming up on a year of doing a daily meditation sharing a different technique every single day but I started experimenting with, I thought I would taper off a little bit, that I might just leave 10-minute meditations. But I find that I, you know, I really, I'm leaving longer meditations because I'm hearing more from listeners. And I'm thinking, oh, well, this would help them so much. So then I leave more. But I want to point out too that some people come to my podcast and they expect to turn it on and hear me instantly say, close your eyes, you know, to guide someone into a meditation. But I don't do that. I, I do that with some of my courses and programs. But the way that I learned tea or the way I learned Ikebana and the way I learned meditation, these arts from the East, from, from Asia, was where the teacher would First, we do something to set our mind because it's pretty hard to just sit down and immediately, boom, you're meditating and you're, you know, you're totally calm and peaceful. But the most important thing is to allow yourself to transition. And I think that's where people become intimidated and where they feel like meditation just doesn't work for them because they, you know, they sit down and they just start immediately being guided in a meditation without that kind of transition. Well, it's, it's, of, a, it's a context, actually, really, is, yes. uh, which is what's nice. You know, you, t you talk about whether, you know, there's a thunderstorm or there's an alligator on your, in your car. Yeah. Or, I mean, and, <laughs> oh, it, it, there is a context to it, I think, which really makes it, um, it makes it very accessible. Well, I want it to feel like 
uh, people are right there with me meditating. And I didn't used to share anything about myself, but as I would share something, I think naturally, just because I've, you know, with many of the people have listened to every episode from the beginning. And so I feel like I really know these people well. And so, you know, I feel like it just naturally, I share more of myself. And when I started to do that, then I started to get more people saying, oh, they're meditating better. Or I think that it's just that attunement with somebody. When you know that it's somebody out there meditating that very day with you, I don't record the meditations in bulk or you know, I don't, I don't do it all at once. I used to when I first started because I thought, I'm not sure if I'm even going to be able to do this. I'm just going to try it and see how it goes. Well, I found that it lost the, for, for a meditation, I, it lost the the essence of the day that so i really record them every single day and i've started recording them the night before i used to record them the day of because i have a lot of listeners all over the world and i live on the east coast of the us so they would always get it too late for that day so i started releasing them in the evening before the day but it's still close enough it's a pretty big commitment to do a daily podcast. I mean, as there's not a ton out there. There's some, uh, but I mean, first of all, it's impressive in itself that you were, that you decided to do that and just did it. And and I mean, like John Lee Dumas, who has the um, the Entrepreneur on Fire podcast, he has forty in advance done so that if he gets sick or goes on vacation or something, he's got it. But you're doing them like day to day. I mean, it's it's amazing. I, that would be really stressful for most people, I think. Oh, you know, it's something I look forward to every day. So if I'm not feeling well or, you know, something's going on, you hear that in the meditation. So I really try to make it as real as possible. You know, meditation, I really like and encourage people to make their meditations a little bit rough around the edges. Don't make it so precious. You know, everybody will have these beautiful meditation spaces that they'll send me a picture of and I'll go to someone's home and they'll say, oh, look, here's my meditation space. And I have a meditation space too. But what I found when I came back to the US is that I just couldn't make it happen like that, that I make meditation happen wherever I happen to be. So sometimes that is on the road or sometimes it's meditating in my car, obviously when I'm not driving, but I'm usually waiting for one of my sons to finish up one of their activities. And I'm thinking, okay, I've got this and this and this going on. So if I'm going to meditate, I need to make it happen now. And when I started to do that, that's when I started to become consistent. And when I share this with people, I find that they feel like the they lose the intimidation factor. They start to think, well, yeah, I can just sit down right here. My kids are crawling all over me, but I can, you know, still just try to get in some stillness and meditate. And I think people feel like they have to wait until they get to a certain point in their life when everything is calm, but chances are that won't likely happen. Most of the people that I work with that become the best meditators, as a matter of fact, are the people who have the most energy. They're people who are incredibly productive, high achievers, and they say they could never make meditation work for them, but they become phenomenal meditators because you have to have energy to meditate. You have to have something to work with. If you're already kind of, you know, calm or complacent, then when you meditate, there's almost nothing to really work with. It, it's just you are kind of zoning out. But if you really have got this energy and you just need to direct it, you need to kind of 
take it in and move it inward and upward, then you start to realize amazing benefits from meditation. Sure. I, I mean, again, I, I, I've... I've seen so many benefits in myself and just my, my demeanor and my way of sort of processing information. Uh, it's not just about like reducing stress for me. It really is about uh, being able to, in some ways, connect the dots better than I might have been able to before. So, But the other thing that's so impressive to me, again, is that it's always impressive to me when people are able to generate an enormous amount of content. And obviously, not only a daily meditation, but the, all the context around it. So... I mean, what, what, I mean, you must get inspiration from like everything you do. (laughs) You know, I, I'm using my knowledge. It's, it's actually one of the most stressful things for me when I came back to the States is that I had learned all these amazing things from amazing people. And, you know, like my Ikebana teacher. She's one of the wisest people I've ever met, or my tea teacher, or just the different people that I had a chance to study and learn from. And I didn't have a platform to use it when I came back to the States. And so I couldn't, you know, (laughs) I didn't really know what to do with it. You know, I, I wasn't living it day to day. And then I wasn't using it. And so when I started my podcast, I happen to live in an area. I live in Florida right now. And where I currently live in Florida, there are many places in Florida where meditation is pretty mainstream, but where I live, it's not mainstream. And I have so many people tell me, you know, meditation is this weird, bad, bizarre thing. So I just thought, you know, there's a whole world of people out there. So I started the podcast, really that encouraged me or made me feel like I needed an outlet to share the things that other people taught me. So I am really inspired by lots of things that mostly people that I meet, I'm very inspired and listeners who write to me inspire me because they share so much of themselves. So I can think of lessons that I learned that I can share with them. And so that's where I get most of my context. But I want to say that I think that, you know, we have so much access to information out here. And, you know, with the internet and just, we're so interconnected now. And it's almost like, the more you learn, the more you feel like you have to do something with this knowledge. And when you don't, you can begin to feel even disempowered by information that you learn, you don't know what to do with it. So with my podcast, I try to create a platform where I can share knowledge so that people can see ways for themselves that they could easily, in even five minutes a day, apply it to their lives. And, you know, people can feel so stuck and overwhelmed by information, not even know. And that's what I love about what you do with less doing, more living, because you show us how to absorb all the information that's thrown at us. And you created a system for us. And that's why I'm a huge fan of yours. And I loved the live event. And it it just, you may not realize this, but when you wrote, when you wrote the book, but to me, you took this conscious movement that, you know, is, is really out there now. And you provided a way for us to manage our lives using technology, still consciously doing it. It's not separate. It's very much intertwined. And so that's what I love about what you've 
shared in your book. Well, thank you very much for that. And on that note, Mary, we have to wrap up here. So can you just tell people, we'll have links in the show notes, of course, but can you tell people where they can find out more about you and where they can subscribe to the podcast and start changing their life? (laughs) Sure. Yeah. So I can be found at the Daily Meditation Podcast. And if you go to my site at sipandom.com, that's S-I-P, just like sipping tea, A-N-D-O-M, Sipanom, you'll find a 100-day meditation quest there. And it's free. And it's where I guide you. Once a week, you get an email and it has seven meditations for that week. That is the best way to connect with me. Awesome. Well, I feel like I got two meditations today because I I listened to the episode this morning and now I get shocked you now. So uh, I I hope everybody does check out Mary's podcast. And uh, it's, it's just... it's been a life changer for me. So Mary, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Less Doing podcast. If you want to find out more information of the show, we would love to hear from you. You can go to lessdoing.com where you can look at Ari's blog, see the show notes for this episode, and also look at all the other episodes before this. If you want to send us a voicemail, we would love to hear from you and we'll play it on the show. You go to lessdoing.com, click on contact, and look on the right side of the page where you'll see a a send voicemail button. Click on that and go ahead and record an audio message for us. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter. Ari's Twitter handle is at Ari Meisel, and mine is at Felix Bird. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. See you next time.